Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hey, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest news shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations. My name is John Bowen, here with Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, what are we what are we chatting about this week? John, we're talking about White Lotus with season two just returning after over a year since season one. So fans of the show will be excited. And for people that haven't come across this show yet, exciting that we've got a second season. This year, The White Lotus takes us to Sicily. Then we're talking about the new original Australian series for Binge called Selling in the City, which is all about renovating your pad, uh, but closer to the closer to town, closer to the big smoke. And then our dinner party recommendations. It's, we've been You've been on the road for a few weeks uh, at the television markets over in Europe. So Maybe you've seen some things on your travels, John, and um, I've been catching up on lots of things on Binge, so heaps to talk about. Welcome home. Thanks. It's great to be home. Shall we start with Sicily? Let's go. When's Sicily ever a bad idea? <laughs> Whenever I stay at a White Lotus, I always have a memorable time. Always. Welcome to the White Lotus in Sicily. La Dolce Vista. Now that he's loaded, you think he regrets marrying such a dud? What is going on with you? There's a reason they invited us here. It's like you sold your company, you got rich, and now he's your best friend. Are these the kind of people we're going to be hanging out with now? Did you vote, babe? Be honest. I did. Didn't I? Doesn't matter. The Emmy award-winning White Lotus returns for a second season this week with a new cast and a new location. Can the series live up to the sensation that was season one? A, if you've not seen the trailer, like pause the podcast right now and go watch the trailer because it's a brilliant, brilliant trailer. But I just watched this like little behind the scenes clip where they ask all the cast what the show, what season two is about. It's like this uh, shopping list of random themes. It was funny the way they described it. Uh, The cast described season two as being a bedroom farce, being about awkwardness, being about toxic masculinity, being about sexual tension, infidelity, family bonding, and of course, murder. So (laughs) if that that doesn't get you into the show, I don't know what will. But maybe for people who have somehow missed this whole phenomenon, should we explain the White Lotus to them in general? Yeah. So the White Lotus is is almost like a, a hotel brand, isn't it? And the idea is that there are multiple White Lotuses around the world. So in season one last year, we went to the White Lotus in Maui, in Hawaii, and we met a bunch of mainly American tourists who arrive at the island and have like a week's holiday. So the show is set through the prism of a week in the life at the White Lotus Hotel and the various people that are staying there and, of course, the interactions with the staff and it's just the kind of culture clashes world of quite privileged people coming on holiday. And then this year we are at the White Lotus in Sicily. So we start on a boat crossing the ocean, heading to a pier where they are once again greeted um, by staff and swept up into their world for a week. But in season one, somebody died and you almost spent the episodes kind of working out who actually died. You don't took the whole season in season one to find out who was dead. 
And it's not like it's a murder mystery. It's just kind of a plot point sort of thing. Yeah. Like sort you- of happen- it's happening in the background almost. <laughs> really, like I think this is like the definition of a sleeper hit. I think we were all excited and curious when this came out, but the way the audience grew and the way that the buzz grew about it and the way that people fell in love with this terrible cast of characters and the setting of this beautiful hotel, season one was just a phenomenon. And it felt a bit like lightning in a bottle and like, kind of felt like a one-off. It was sort of almost constructed because of COVID. They needed to shoot it in a single location, but it's just such a brilliant premise. And it's almost like, how have they not done this before? Because of course, rich people going to a resort and the staff and the interactions and all the craziness that happens on holidays is an amazing setting for a TV show. And of course, season two, they've been able to return that by going to, as you've said, a different White Lotus, in this case in Sicily. The one sort of connecting thing between the two series is the fantastic Jennifer Coolidge, who was a guest in Hawaii and is a guest now in Sicily. But otherwise, it's a, it's a brand new story with a brand new cast. And by all accounts, and from the episode one that we've seen, it kind of feels like they've captured that lightning in a bottle again, because you, you're just back in it. And I'm engrossed immediately. <laughs> but I think one of the reasons that got people talking last year is I've never seen anything really quite like this. Like when we were talking about, we talked about it on the podcast last year as one of the shows that got us to the year as well, didn't we? But it was like, it's just really unique. And I think that's what, if you try to what are you comparing it to? Like it, it, it- No, totally. And I think that's <laughs> why it, I think that's why it was a grower because you kind of stumbled into it and you're like, is this a murder mystery? Is this a satire? Is it a comedy? Like what's happening? And then you kind of just have to fall into it and just be engrossed by the world. And people did. And we saw the audiences grow. And we saw and we obviously saw all the awards that came out after it. But I think now that we've had season one. That's what's so exciting about season two is we kind of know what the show is now, even though we don't know what's going to happen in season two. It's unique. It's kind of in its own category. So, um, And you might hear, oh, people on a resort, oh, I saw that other resort show or I saw this, you know, love resort show. No, no, it's unique. It's definitely got a cult following. It's kind of like the cool kid in class, isn't it, of um, of TV programs at the moment. Yeah. Well, the other thing I think super cool about it is the opening credits. I know you mentioned the trailer before, but the opening credits. But in the Hawaiian version, and they had this cool wallpaper, like you might see that kind of Hawaiian style in a nice fancy, you know, hotel. But they've done it again with the opening credits for this one where they've kind of put an operatic Italian vibe on it. Um and updated the fancy wallpaper, but it's just even that just is like the sound instantly transforms you to the show and you realise it's back and how different it is. Obviously, we could talk about White Lotus for hours and we've only even seen the first episode of season two, but uh, we should just quickly touch on the cast because obviously being an anthology series, you get besides Jennifer Coolidge, you get a whole new set of characters each season. So in season two, we've got F. Murray Abraham, we've got Tom Hollander, we've got Theo James, we've got Aubrey Plaza. Like it's a brilliant cast. And yeah, I just can't wait to watch more episodes, basically. John, just to add to the long list of talented people attached to this series. We've got Michael Imperioli, who joins the cast this season, who is on holiday with his father and his son, and they say that they have some Sicilian heritage and they're doing some family tree stuff. Um, Viewers and lovers of The Sopranos will, of course, recognise him, but he's also in the Soprano film The Many Saints of Newark, which we've spoken about on the podcast before, both, both of which are streaming on Binge. And, of course, Mike White, who has written and created the White Lotus and directed it, who he has spoken in the past about how this was able to be made during COVID and in this locked set and that, you know, HBO took a 
took a bet on making such an you know such a unique series, um, and he certainly hasn't disappointed with this um this first episode of season two. It's it's as you said, it's living up to the hype. In terms of like beloved cult series, he's also behind the Laura Dern series Enlightened, which we have on binge and people absolutely love and sort of really fell under the radar, but that's absolutely worth a watch if you've not seen it. And for reality TV show fans, he's a sort of a reality TV contestant. He's been on The Amazing Race and Survivor. So he's got a he's got a very eclectic career. Definitely seems to have found his voice with with the White Lotus. Basically. And I, as soon as we started watching it, my husband and I were like, oh, God, you just kind of want to go on a holiday. Like, you know what I mean? Like, obviously not everyone can go to fancy holidays like this, but just the sense of like the vibe, it's quite relaxing. Like last time it was like, you really felt like you were understanding how a Hawaiian holiday might feel. And in this one, you can sense the Mediterranean Italian vibe, which is actually remarkable if you stop and think about that because you're watching television, you're not on holiday, but it does each season from what we've seen already is really true to its holiday destination. So although the White Lotus is the one constant, aside from Jennifer Coolidge's character, you you do end up, and maybe it is the sounds and the opening credits and it's so wonderfully shot on location, but you did when you watched it last year, I felt like, oh, we're popping back to Hawaii. And you, the sense of Hawaii and the location becomes a really big part of the show. So really yeah. keen to see how that builds because from the first episode in Sicily you got you got such the sense of it. Even like there was a scene where some women were hanging outside the hotel trying to sneak into the hotel and they're just standing in an Italian street. You can hear the beep beeps of the scooters and the traffic. It sounded like Italy. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, I feel like I'm actually in that place. So I think they're, they're getting the vibe right by the look of it. I know we're only, it's only just launched on binge, but wow, huge audience overnight, you know, compared to season one as well. There's a lot of people that have discovered this show in the last year. Yeah. And yeah, we've got a new Monday Night Obsession. So yeah, as we've said, episode one is already streaming for you and uh, new episodes of The White Lotus are streaming each Monday for you on Pinch. Flirting is one of the pleasures of life. You're 80 years old, but the women I desire remain young. You can relate to that. I just wanted to inform you that my good friends here, they're going to be visiting me this week, coming and going. They come and go. See you later. Bye. I see. Italy's just so romantic. You're going to die. They're going to have to drag you out of here. Binge's first original lifestyle series, Selling in the City, follows designers Rosie Morley and Patty Milne as they work their magic on inner city properties with the goal of increasing the property's market value through design. Your home is likely your biggest asset. An inner city apartment, terrace, warehouse or anything in between. Look at this building. Whatever its current market value, you could literally be sitting on your dreams. Dream, probably 2.3. Ali, you're deeply involved in this series. Tell us more about it. This came from the lifestyle team at the Foxtel Group who have made a lot of lifestyle shows in the past and we were talking about people that often when you watch those makeover shows, people have big houses, you know, or they have really big gardens and a massive segment is about, you know, pulling up the lawn or like, there'll be days spent with diggers and stuff in the garden. And I just was like, is that actually reflective of the average Australian house now? Because not everybody has big floor space. What we kind of wanted was to show more inner city properties. And in order to really understand um, the inner city kind of areas, it was to like, what is motivating buyers? Because there are some suburbs, Newtown and Richmond and Fitzroy, where people kind of pay 
for what the suburb offers as much as what the house offers. So how do you design the house? What if you really combine the suburb knowledge and the people that really want to live in that suburb with the design element? So you kind of get two reveals in the episode. You get the reveal of the before and after, which we all, I suppose, watch property shows for, that sense of, well, the kitchen or what have they done? And you get to learn a little bit about uh, the designer, Rosie Morley's point of view on that. But the other cool thing is you get to have a sticky beak in the suburb. So having lived in Richmond and Fitzroy over the years, I really like seeing the suburbs on screen and kind of reminding, kind of reminded myself of why I chose to live in those places at the stage of life I was. And a lot of the people who are selling the houses or renovating the houses have kind of outgrown that suburb. So they might have been the young person living in South Melbourne at the time they bought the flat, but that's not who they are anymore. So they're kind of renovating it to be ready for the younger generation that are now moving into South Melbourne because they themselves have got older and they almost don't suit their suburb anymore, if that makes sense. So yeah, slightly different element to what you see in other property shows. And I think we really tried to work with some new faces as well in the design space. So Rosie Morley is a really acclaimed Melbourne architect. Um, She works for a really big architecture firm in Melbourne called Fender Castellides, who um, they do a lot of the really um, high-end high rises as well. They do a lot of vertical living. So I think she really understood small spaces they built Melbourne's Eureka Tower and kind of a few other um, kind of iconic spaces. And then Paddy Milne runs, um, he's based in Ballarat and he runs, yeah, like a really cool kind of cutting edge landscape business. So they themselves are younger people living in smaller spaces and know the experience of, of you know, sometimes the only way you can jump up the ladder is to, yeah, like invest in the design once you feel lucky enough to get on the ladder. But even when you've got a really small space, sometimes you how can you really make the most of it? Yeah, it's, it was yeah interesting and fun to make and something a little bit different. Yeah, I think what's so interesting, and you, you touched on this, so many of these renovation shows, which are, are great to watch for very various reasons, something like Grand Designs, you know, you're watching these masterpieces getting constructed over years and it's like, well, that's never going to be me, but it's great to watch. But then something like Selling in the City, even if you don't own a property, the way that they just talk about like what you can do with a, like a balcony or what you can do with light fixtures or what you can do with mirrors. Like you don't even have to, like so many people understandably don't even own apartments, let alone houses, let alone build their dream homes. Totally. So, and it's, a, and it's about, I think what's interesting and the angle of this show being through the, um, the lens of design and what you can do with design. So it's not always about, it's not te- about tearing things down. It's not adding new floors or adding pools. It's about what design can improve and anyone can add a touch of design to their space, whether it's a bedroom that they're renting or mm-hmm. an apartment that they own or whatever. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting that it's not just about like tearing down a building back from scratch. It's about like the improvements that design can make. One really good example is um, one of the South Melbourne episodes. They talk about light and they end up putting this kind of, this, the apartment, you know, looks out on quite an urban vibe and it's they kind of have this lighting that changes based on your mood and they talk about, you know, cool colours and warmer colours and where that is also in your stage of the day or if you're trying to go to sleep. Now, I had never knew anything about kind of light and design. I knew light's nice and windows are nice and people put lamps and stuff, but, like, I didn't really get the colour thing. And I went out and bought this lamp (laughs) bulb that changes colours and it actually coordinates with Google on your phone. You actually control the light bulb. And it was like a $50 light bulb or something that I went out and then bought that day. I was like, oh, my God, I would never have thought about that. And then there's this another episode where 
they're a little house in the city and lots of big apartments and kind of looking down on the garden. And sometimes when I've seen things like that before, they plant like these enormous trees and to get the kind of privacy or screening that you might want, you'd be spending like thousands of dollars on trees. And they just create this really good shade cloth feature that was really like, you know, it was really inexpensive and a really good idea. And I thought there'd be so many people, to your point, that even if you're living in an apartment, you could just put that up and then, you know, really improve a space. So I hope people are inspired to go, yeah, you don't always need hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I know building prices are expensive at the moment and properties, it's it's a difficult space, but we really just tried to bring a, a younger view of the market and also just remind people of why you might want to live in a certain area. So you get to have a bit of a look around the streets as well. Yeah. And Rosie and Patty are just like great, amazing finds. Like besides being very talented designers, they have great chemistry and yeah, it's, yeah. they're just, they're great to watch. On they screen. seem like friends already. Like they only met yeah. during making the show, but you feel like you're just talking to two design friends being how they would be and, and knowing them in real life. They're, they're very like that as well. So yeah, hopefully people like getting to know them as well. Awesome. Selling in the City, Binge's first lifestyle original is uh, streaming for you now on Binge. We'll get into the minds of buyers as locals. What is it that they love? People that come to this community can express who they are. Soak up inspo from the local area. It's just given me something. Some percolating ideas. Then together, reimagine your home. We push every square inch of that place. Ali, it's that uh, it's that time of the show where we talk about our dinner party recommendations, those shows that we uh, recommend to people over dinner. Um, this isn't my dinner party recommendation, but it is a little anecdote. Um, uh, I have been traveling recently and uh, the I was in the air bridge thing, wa- waiting very slowly to get on a flight. Um, and this couple behind me and like I'm the shyest man in the world, so I <laughs> don't in- I don't engage with strangers. But this couple behind me were talking about how they just finished Gentleman Jack. Ah. And- and, you know, they, they were Australian and like we were boarding a corner slide. So like it was, I was prepared to engage with them. <laughs> um, uh, and so I like, I turn around, I'm like, oh yeah, it's been canceled. Sorry, blah, blah, blah. Um, when we got talking about shows and they said how much they love Saran Jones. Yes. Um, and the, I, I had, had to they like- seen up- Vigil? That was the first thing I said to them. Um, and then it, it ended up taking forever for us to board. Um, so I like gave them the whole vigil spiel and the woman like wrote it down and everything. <laughs> Hopefully they've gotten back to Sydney and they're going to check out vigil. So that was my uh, little mini dinner party recommendation. A real life. This real is like life. IRL dinner party recommendations. Yeah. But wow. um, I was out, I was out shilling for binge um, <laughs> on, on my holiday. <laughs> so, um, but uh, what is your dinner party recommendation? John, there's a few things I might just quickly touch on because I have been watching quite a lot of television because uh, we're a footy family as well. We love the AFL. So there's a few more hours in the week now that the footy's over. There were just a couple of things, I like individual shows, but just a few things I wanted to call out where there were some announcements recently about new seasons. So you and I have previously talked about industry. We want everybody to get on board industry. We're obsessed with the industry. (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't mention industry, the poor people on the plane. Um, And we'd been waiting for a season three announcement and I was a little bit worried because it had taken a bit of time to be confirmed. But a couple of days ago, it has been confirmed. So if anyone listening is an industry fan or if you aren't, please, please, please watch. Industry season three is getting renewed. So industry is always up there with my dinner party recommendations. The other one is just... The probably one of the shows of the week that went off on binge and on social and lots of other places is the season finale of 
Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Quite a long season this year. There was some major, major drama. I don't know if we, we've talked about some of these reality series in the past, but if you haven't caught up on this season, there's all 20-odd episodes kind of streaming, and that was enormous viewing last week for that finale and, and caused quite a little bit of spice, didn't it, and kind of got people talking. So they're two of, yeah, my recommendations for the week. And Dan and I spoke last week when he, he when he filled in for you on the podcast about uh, This England um, which I've been following through with five episodes down, one to go. The last one drops this week, um, which follows the coronavirus outbreak from a UK perspective with Kenneth Branagh doing a brilliant job playing Boris Johnson. It kind of reminds you of how far away 2020 already feels. And I'm sure for a lot of people that lost family or really severely impacted by COVID, I'm sure it doesn't feel that long ago, but it also just made me realise how frightening that time was. And anyway, it's brilliantly, brilliantly done. It is um, just kind of Put you back in COVID world, but um, the performances and the the writing are um, kind of exceptional. So I've really been loving that series. What about you, John? Uh, so something, just something I wanted to quickly shout out, just because it's um, it is one of those shows that I think maybe didn't get the love that it deserved, and I'm really excited that we've now got the all three seasons of it up on binge, um, and that is Shrill. Ah, um, yes, you love Shrill. So this is a comedy, a, isn't it? A comedy, yeah. It's it's from twenty started in twenty nineteen, only finished last year. But there are twenty two episodes, so it's a nice sort of chunky binge that'll get you through a couple of weeks. It stars Eddie Bryant, who people might know from SNL, along with Lolly Adafope, who was on. Taskmaster and is a great British comedian. Um, she's her housemate. It's based on a book that some people might be familiar with. Uh, the book is called Shrill Notes from a Loud Woman. <laughs> but yeah, it is just this great sort of character piece of this woman living her life in Portland. So it's sort of an interesting backdrop. Uh, she's a writer and the world sort of defines her by her weight effectively, she kind of quite refreshingly doesn't have a problem with her appearance. She wants her life to change and wants her life to improve, but it's not her weight that's the thing that needs to change or the thing that needs to improve, which I also think is really refreshing, um, that it's a show about a like a self-defined fat woman, but it, she's not trying to fix her fatness. Like that's not the problem with her life. Love it. Um, uh, so yeah, it's really refreshing show. Great cast. Um, it's like a really like strong voice, I guess. Um, and yeah, it's funny and engaging and she's dating this schlub and she's got this terrible boss and <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a really engaging three series show. tells a great story. Um, and yeah, just great talent on on and off screen. So I think more people need to watch Shrill. Don't you find at the moment, I mean, people ask us all the time what to watch or, or, or for advice on, on TV. I think people are looking for some comedy. And we've got um, our new Binge Original column from Accounts. We released the trailer this week. So that's coming soon. And we'll be able to talk to that more in, a, in the coming weeks. But part of the reason we made that is we really wanted something uplifting and funny for people. And it feels like comedy is really... Um, yeah, it's kind of what everyone's looking to watch at the moment. And I loved how you were able to weave into that story about Shrill, two of your other favourite shows in SNL and Taskmaster. So bravo, John Boehm. You kind yeah, of yeah. managed to get three recommendations in one as well. So lots yeah. lots for people to watch, hey? Yep. Um, let's see. I got my lotion and my gum and my shoelaces for my brown shoes. Um, and could I also get um, the morning after pill? Hey, Nick, do we sell the morning after Oh, oh that's okay. We don't need to bother Nick. He's doing pill business. 
This week on Skip Intro, we discussed the new season of The White Lotus. We discussed the new binge original, Selling in the City. I recommended that you check out the comedy series Shrill. Uh, Ali recommended a couple of things for her dinner party recommendations, but uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills being one of them. All of these are streaming for you now on Binge, which, of course, you can find on your favourite device. I'm John Bowen, joined every week by Ali Herbert-Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more Skip Intro.